0: Can you hear the sound of an SOS? No. Nope. Okay, well then don't worry about it because uh, that's on my uh, that's on my end. Usually in the, in the Zoom meeting we would all hear that. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll let you know when we're done. Uh, but yeah, that's a cool 80 second herbalist. Yeah, well, I got it right before I left uh, well, you know, I think it's appropriate, uh, and I also I uh, I was saying hello to Rachel.
1: Uh, <laughs> this your Mom by coming
0: Oh yeah, why? She said something on Facebook about
1: it. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember hearing about that. That's
1: a lot of fun, oh, I'm sure. Normally like yeah, Delta you has eight things like today, but I'm at 8.2, like 9.30, 8.30, 9.30. Because the stubborn the
0: that in Atlanta That sounds... Sounds like Vietnam. Things never change. No. Sometimes they just don't. But and and to be honest with you, we're not we're not locked down all that tight, to, you know. To so uh, I don't even know why stuff like that would be happening. Well, no, it was just a company thing. want did not out there. Oh, okay. He
1: wasn't work on Well, it seems you bright and sunny out there where you're at. Most of
0: the, day, you know, usually like, Yeah, you, know, we, you we got got But, um, uh, today, have to stuck
1: Yeah, I'm hoping, a bit. I'm, I'm
0: hoping uh, to I'm soon. If I'm yeah. Well, yeah, I'm on my my usual 3 weekend, but we won't talk. About ready to, we're about ready to go into this, and I want to welcome everybody to Thoughts from a Lawnmower with Will Rouser. And um, I have a, all my guests are special, but I have a special guest uh, all the way from Tennessee, uh, which is right next door to North Carolina, but it's still, it's still a good ten hours. You're still a good 10 hours from where I'm at. Yeah, because the states are so wide east to west. Yes, that's right. So anyway, um, I have my my special guest today is Pastor Mark Medley, and he is the former pastor of the Fayetteville Church of the Nazarene, and he's now the pastor of, and what are you the pastor of now?
1: Uh, A church to
0: be. A church church. to be. Yes.
1: Church plant called Serve Church.
0: And you do, you've done a lot, of course, you've done a lot of video recently because uh, we're all locked down, right?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, I was ahead of the curve, see, because when we started, uh, when we moved to Murfreesboro to start Serve Church, among other reasons that we moved here, um, we knew that the easiest way to get started would be online, so we started doing a Bible study on Tuesday nights on Facebook Live just to give people kind of an introduction to uh, the church and the concept of this church that we're trying to plant, and we started putting the book back. So we were actually doing church online six months before everybody had to do church online.
0: So, like you said, you were ahead of the curve, and <clears throat> about, about six, seven months ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, um, before I get into the to the depth of whatever we're going to talk about, a um, couple of uh, business things I got to do. Um, I I kind of missed this uh, doing this the last my last podcast, and uh, so I want to promote a couple of friends. Uh, and since i've i would also love to uh promote serve church on my podcast if that's all right with you pastor.
1: Well, that'd be wonderful. Thank
0: you. Okay. Uh so along with uh Pastor Mark Medley and Serve Church, um i'd like to give a shout out to my buddy Dan Debruler, who has a podcast called Monday School. Um and uh he's uh he's an old friend of mine. And, uh, he's, he's, he's not, hasn't been a guest on the podcast. I was actually a guest on one of his, uh, one of these zoom meetings that we seem to have been having a problem with today. Um, but anyway, go here, go listen to Dan DeBruyler on Monday school. And then my friend John Helton out of Kentucky has a podcast called marital monkey. Help get those marital monkeys off your back. And, uh. John John was a guest of mine a couple of podcasts back and then uh a special a special uh person a good friend of mine by the name of matt crump and his matt crump t v hashtag god's got this movement and uh go listen to uh, if there's ever an encourager matt is that guy and finally um Another, another thoughts from a lawnmower alumnus, uh, Mr. Jim Bishop and his uh, his new podcast called the Hard Drive. And uh, Jim's a friend of mine. He's now in Florida. Uh, he used to be involved with my band projects. So um, go, you know, if if you come listen to my podcasts, go listen to these guys. Um, these guys are are great. They each do something different. Um, so, and speaking of something different, one of the things that I try to do on this podcast is, well, this is about what I think and it's about what I like and it's about who I like. And I, I have a lot of interesting people that have come and gone in my life and I just basically want to introduce them to the world, to the two or three listeners that I have. (laughs) And, um, one of those is my friend, Pastor Mark Medley and I—you'll uh, hear me inter- intersperse the words "pastor" and just "Mark" because um, Mark is my friend. Not just—he was not just a pastor, but he was my friend. And um, I actually haven't seen you physically in the flesh. I haven't seen you since uh, my dad passed away. Uh, when you came, yeah, you you came and preached his funeral, and. Uh, If I didn't thank you for that, I thank you for that now, for sure. Um, And uh, so, kind of getting into some things. Because our time is a little limited, uh, I was trying to think of something that that we could talk about that was relevant. That's relevant and similar between you and I. And one of the things that I have noticed in some of your Facebook posts is you... uh, you don't you're you're very very um assertive and this is a good thing you're very very assertive in uh not only your calling and your mission, which I'd love to talk about but also in particular with the situation that we find ourselves in, in this uh whole pandemic. You know, crisis. You know whether some of it is manufactured, or whatever. And I've noticed. Uh, I'm going to say it like this: that your your patience, as well as my patience, is wearing kind of thin. And um, yeah, and uh, and again, I, just to be clear, I think that's a good thing because I'm I know that a lot of pastors, a lot of a lot of pastors, I, I have a couple myself, and I'm friends with some pastors, and all of us agreed that when this began, that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to honor the authorities, and we wanted to do the right thing by our communities, and we, you know, we didn't want to spread anything, but I saw back then that this was very, very, this This gave an opening to for some very, very dangerous things to come in. And when I say dangerous, I don't mean biological. I mean political and social and ideological. And as this thing has, as this thing has wound for the past, what, since, since March, uh, I've, true to form i've seen uh i've seen several uh abuses of power abuses of authority overreaches and well, it has it has it has fallen it has hit the church and sure. and but there are those who are are appealing to the romans 13 uh the verse in romans 13 which talks about you know the governing authorities and being obedient to the government, governing authorities and stuff like that. But my precedent, and it's—I think it's appropriate that you're wearing that 82nd Airborne shirt, by the way. My my thing is the United States is a different entity. Not that we're exempt; we're not exempt from the Scripture by any means. But, right. But we're not a dictatorship we're not we're we don't have an emperor, we don't have a king. The 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 the, the rule of law is our highest law here in this right. country. And the the public servants, cuz that's what they're called, the public servants work for the American people, not the other way around.
1: They seem to have forgotten that.
0: They have seemed to have forgotten that. And so what I'm seeing is that is that some of the churches are some a lot of them I'm seeing are finally getting some stones, if I may use that term. They're getting some stones and they're saying, You know what? Um you can go pound sand because we're gonna do what we you know, we've we've been We've been patient, we've done the right thing, and now you're trampling over us. And now right. now the churches are starting to rise up and say, "Okay, enough is enough." And I see that, I see that in your some of your spirited um I've watched uh well I was I was a participant in one of your Bible studies. Well, I was I was watching. <laughs> and uh and making a couple of comments, and then I saw your I, I watched your sunrise service after right. sunrise, but i watched it <laughs> and uh <laughs> sorry, I didn't get up for it but uh, <laughs> but but uh I did watch it and um it, as a pastor and in in trying to accomplish the mission that you're trying to accomplish. Where do you? How do you feel right now that we as Christians should be responding to the very clear overreach of some of our public officials? And how? How do you know? We, we, obviously, we're we're concerned about maintaining the image of Christ. We want to do that, of course. But as I have said, you know, you know, because that old that old adage: "What would Jesus do?" Well. Jesus, let's all remember that Jesus did form a, a whip out of cords and overturn tables and, you know, make a lot of people very, very, you know, upset because he cleared out the temple. And I'm thinking, you know, clearing out temples, that's an option. <laughs> <It> <laughs> um, is. So so what, what do you feel? And I'm, I'm going to give you the floor. You just talk as long as you want Um how, what do you feel about that in that direction?
1: Well, I've got lots and lots of things I could say. I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to address your question dire- as directly as possible. There comes a time in the life of every Christian when you have to decide who are you going to be obedient to. Well, if you truly are the Christian. That the scripture calls you to be. Then you are going to follow Christ. And you are going to follow his word. Which includes following. The Romans 13 admonition. To. Uh, to obey authority. On the other hand. There comes a time. That authority. Becomes. Uh, so. Uh, overreaching, So overpowering. That you have to say, you know, enough is enough. And and I'm not I'm not a good enough wordsmith to say this eloquently, but there comes a time when you've got to push back and that time has come. When the politicians who are, as you said, public servants, who have forgotten that they work for us, tell us that it's okay to go to Walmart. And it's okay for me to go to Lowe's. For example, my wife went by Lowe's yesterday and literally could not get in the parking lot. If it is safe for people to go buy tulip bulbs, if it's safe for people to go buy lawnmower parts, appropriate for this show, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's and we thank safe, you. And I did. I've gone to Lowe's and bought parts for my lawnmower, I've bought dirt. Um if it is safe for me to go to the grocery store, then why is it not safe for me to go to church? The answer is the government officials who are in charge have deemed church unnecessary. They have deemed family families being together unnecessary. Anything and everything that they can and would think they can get away with their to, because they are attempting to see just how far they can push the american people that and right other people
0: there. yes and and okay. i and i and here's the thing. go ahead
1: here's the thing people say that i'm an alarmist i'm a conspiracy theorist i'm a fruitcake i don't care what you say but when the government can tell you that you can't stand within six feet of somebody. And the government tells you that you have to wear a mask to go out in public. And the government tells you that those masks will protect you, even though everybody with half a brain knows that those masks are doing nothing. And when the government tells you that gloves, disposable gloves, are going to protect you, they're lying. They're just lying. All they're doing this for is to see how much control they can get over us. As far as I'm concerned, this coronavirus thing is, yes, it is a serious disease. Yes, it should be treated with caution. Yes, it should be treated with the same uh, uh, interest, the same uh, care as any other disease in the flu family, so to speak. Right. But... All of the hype and all of the power tripping that governors in Maine and California and New York and mayors in San Francisco and New York City and Kansas City, Missouri and Houston, Texas, all of this is it's just it's 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 a power trip. It's it's not anything more than that, because if they can control how close we can stand to people, and they can make us put on masks, and they can make us fear one another, and make us snitch on one another. Yep. What else? Then what else can they do? Right. I'm, I'm a politically, I'm I'm very conservative, but I'm also very libertarian. What you do is your business. What goes on on your property and behind your closed doors and within your family is your business. Okay. now, as long as it's not, I'm not going to get involved in what you're doing until it affects me or someone that I love or is uh, breaks one of God's laws. I mean, I'm just not your business is your business. Right. And it's not any business of the government, how I spend my time, how I spend my money where I go, who I hang out with, they work for me. They they I mean, they shouldn't even have full time jobs. Right. I mean the Senate the only the only job that we should have in the in the federal government, well let's put it this way, every elected official should not be full time with the exception of maybe the president and the vice president. Right, right. Everybody in the Senate, everybody in the Senate, everybody in the House of Representatives everybody at the state and local levels those should be temporary part-time jobs maybe governors could be full-time maybe mayors could be full-time but if the mayor is full-time then let's fire the city manager because why do you have a city manager and a mayor
0: right right and now <clears throat> you i want to i want to it's simple overreach. Yeah, that's all it is. That's right. And, and there comes a
1: time. There comes a time when the church has to say enough is enough, and preach that point. Now, how? The, then, then the next question is: How can I be consistent with Scripture and push back? I think the, the best example of that would be to when I was a baby, baby, kindergarten, and younger. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Set the example for us on nonviolent protest, right? And I think there there we need in America another Martin Luther King Jr. who can unite the Christian Church and say we are going to do what we are going to do. Here's the thing, Will. What really just just ticks me off to no end is the church and people, when I, the people of the church will wring their hands and make Facebook posts and wring their hands and send emails and wring their hands and write letters to the editor for those that, are, that don't do social media about prayer in school and abortion and all of these things. And now we've got, we can't meet together. Look, the reason why we don't have prayer in school is because the church didn't have a backbone in the early 60s. Okay. Right, right, right. The reason why we have abortion on demand is because the church didn't have a backbone in the 70s. Right. Okay. And and that's just that's me talking and me my opinion and 2 dollars will buy you a cup of coffee, but that's my, you know, that's just my opinion. And it's no different now. 50 years later, the church still doesn't have a backbone. And what makes me angry to no end are my peers as pastors who will not stand up and say, we are going to do this. You are not going to stop me. If you're not willing to go to jail for your beliefs, do you really believe them?
0: Well, now, it's interesting that you say that. And I want to kind of throw something at you um, in in speaking about your peers and speaking about uh, – of. I am I am when when you speak about your peers you're speaking about fellow men of the cloth fellow okay. pastors and stuff of that nature. Um uh so I am not that I am your I am your brother in Christ but I am not your peer in that respect. However, um and I want to I want to kind of talk about that because I'm I'm there's a degree where I, I don't want to say disagree because I don't disagree, but there's a part, there's a part where the, some of your peers are outraged, but at certain things. In other words, right. in in other words, okay, um, I'm sure you've seen an exchange that I had just recently uh, talking about race. And, I'm finding that there's certain sins racism is a sin but yeah. certain sins are more acceptable yes than others or yes. or let me let me let me rephrase that um certain sins will elicit the outrage while other sins you won't hear a peep now uh, and I'll I'll just uh, I find it interesting that racism is the unforgivable sin okay I mean let's let's just Let's just call it as it is. Racism is the unforgivable sin. But fatherlessness is not. Uh, I mean, it is. We hear about it. But we don't... When You know, you, you come from... You're, you're a little older than I am. Um, not by much, Pastor. <laughs> um, but both you and I came up... In the fire and brimstone. Right. Okay. And although I do think that there were times when the church majored in the minors. Yes. I kind of understand the the necessity for a little, if you'll pardon the expression, extremism. I don't mean that politically I mean that that uh, for example when I was growing up in the church you know you know me I'm a musician I'm a you know I'm a rock and roller and I remember growing up with the you know you need to get your hair cut and you know you need to uh, you know you, you know the li- the music you're listening to is this that and the other and there was a time when I was angry about that. And then I then I realized something that if you believe in something, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to you're going to have to accept the slings and arrows, and you're going to accept have to accept the consequences, um, the social consequences for that decision. But the other well, thing was.
1: Everybody- yeah, everybody has to decide what they're going to bleed
0: for. Right, and, and and, th- and you know, or a hill to die on. And But right. the other thing was, I knew that those people, those same people who said those things to me, loved me very much. That, right. That those, those men of God who maybe, you know, they could have found a better way to say something, they didn't know how to say it because, you know, they didn't have time to be... Kind about it because they had a world to they had the world to battle against, you know They they, they had children to raise they had to, they had to be an influence and sometimes that means you had to say things that were unpopular with the young people And then you know those 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 women of god who you know, maybe they you know Maybe they didn't see some of their own inconsistencies, but they weren't telling me that because they didn't love me They they loved me and so sometimes their opinions got interjected but there was a greater there was a bigger battle that was going on that my young mind couldn't understand sure. and so i i kind of look back and i long for the days when the preachers were preaching that hell is still hot and that you know jesus is not just not only is he your he is a friend closer than a brother he's also our judge and so and and there were sins that were called out you know right. i mean we you know we didn't do things you know there were things that god's people are not supposed to do okay right. and that's fine if if you choose to go do those things, you know we love you, you know. But we have a mandate, we have a biblical mandate that these things be addressed. And right. so now, what has happened is, and I, I go I go back to my my premise here about okay, we got racism, which should be called out, by the way. I'm racism should be called out, but racism is, but the problem is you're not calling everybody out on it. You're only calling out. I'm not saying you, but I mean, you're only calling out in one direction. Okay. That, you know, there, there is racism all over this world okay sure one okay and so what ends up happening is when we have a uh, when we have when we're addressing racism you know you might have racism in your congregation and it's right it's right to say that's wrong preach it from the pulpit pastor and at the same time turn right around but then all of a sudden you have this kind of mealy mouth but well, we're not going to talk about uh, adultery. Uh, you know, or we're not going to talk about, uh, murder. You know, those things that, you know, I mean, so if somebody goes right outside and, you know, shoots someone point blank, you know, or stabs somebody point blank, you know, that's easy for us to all get behind. But what about character assassination? What about, um, What about these things that they kind of fall under the... They they don't exactly fall... They fall under the Ten Commandments, but they're not necessarily named in the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm saying? And so...
1: Go ahead. Here's one way you can look at it. If a person claims to be a Christian, if they believe that Christ is their Savior, that they have been cleansed by his blood, forgiven of their sins, they're living by faith, they, are, they believe that Christ lives in their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, then by necessity, by that identification, by that declaration, be it public testimony, be it by baptism, be it by lifestyle, however it is declared, then all of the isms have to go away. Right. Okay? Right. If I if my heart is right with God and my character is mature or in the process of maturing, then racism has to go out, of course, but so does sexism, culturalism, if that's a word, Um, ageism all the isms have to go out it means that whether I'm a conservative or whether I'm a liberal or whether I'm a democrat or republican or however I identify politically then I am going to love that other person no matter what their political affiliation their skin color, their orientation, whatever. When you become a Christian, when you take on that identity and you start going through the process of maturation as a believer, as you grow and mature and understand God and understand his word and try to get closer to him and more like him, then you are going to increasingly see people only as Christ saw them. And as I understand scripture and as I understand the character of Christ, he only sees people. He doesn't see a particular sex. He doesn't see a particular color. He doesn't see uh, you and I any different from the person who is in a wheelchair because of an accident or the person who is... uh, somewhere on the autism spectrum where they uh, maybe they cannot communicate at all or maybe they communicate but still have some issues right we become culture blind we become culture, culture blind we become uh you know uh sex blind people are just people and we're all created in the image of god now here's the here's the there are two things that really happen, and you're a musician, so you you can probably relate to this. I think two of the most important songs that have been written in the last thirty years were what the, the first one was "Colored People" by that was written by Toby. I think it was written by Toby Mac. I know it was sang by Toby Mac while he was with with DC Talk. Right was on the jesus freak album right those most important songs that was ever written because it addresses the issue of skin color only being as deep as your skin the second one was also is also a toby mack song with Mandisa, which came out in the last three years it's called we all bleed the same and to his credit uh Toby Mack has continued to address that issue. But we as Christians need to realize that it's not just skin color, but it's everything. I, I work in a in a grocery store, and we have people in that grocery store whose uh, sexual orientation is different from mine. We have people that work in that grocery store who are in the process of changing their sexual identity, for lack of a better term. Right. But I have a choice when dealing with those people. I can deal with them with the compassion and love of Christ, or I can become a self-righteous rock thrower and condemn them from a distance. And then if somebody says, well, you're judging, then I can break out the scripture and say, "Well, God condemns this behavior as as sinful." Yes, He does, but it is not my place to condemn them in a belittling, demeaning, degrading way. It is my job as a believer to do everything I can as a to be to treat them in person like Jesus would treat them if he was standing there. It doesn't mean I accept the sin that they are caught up in. It doesn't mean that I approve of their lifestyle. But what it does mean is they are a human being created in the image of God. Therefore, they deserve the same love and grace that I have received. And I know that I would never have known Jesus had it not been for other Christian people who exhibited his love, his kindness, his compassion, his grace to me. So I have to do that to other people. And let's get back to where this whole thing started. You know, our whole discussion started about this COVID thing. My personal beliefs... About this COVID crisis, that it is a politically hyped uh, government overreach and all of that. Those are my personal beliefs. If the person working at the counter next to me or the person who works on my uh, truck when I take it in to have the oil change or the lady who waits on me at at the pharmacy, if that person is genuinely afraid, and that person is genuinely fearful of what may happen, then I, as a believer, am called by Christ to be kind and gentle with that person.
0: And I agree. There was no, there, I have zero dispute with anything that you have said. Um, and I, I don't think you were Taking it this way, but I, I want to be no, clear. I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear to maybe those who might be listening. Uh, I am not. I've never been an advocate for. You know, you you cited the you cited the example in scripture of the the woman caught in adultery, uh, you know, by the throwing stones reference, and that is certainly true. I, I'm not. I've never been an advocate. I I have plenty of friends who are not believers. I I hang out with a lot of people who they know I'm a Christian and they, they every now and then they'll, they'll kind of turn to me and they'll go, Oh, sorry, William. Or, 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 you know, I'm like, what what are you sorry for? I'm not asking you to, I I haven't said anything, you know, and I'm not an advocate for pointing fingers and throwing stones and calling people sin out, you know, that's what, that's what uh, the militant Muslims do, you know. Right. I I, I no, I've never been about that. I I'm I'm agreement. My my issue, my issue is because you said it earlier that we didn't have a backbone in the '60s. The church didn't have a backbone in the '60s, and they didn't have a backbone in the '70s. And with uh, re- respectively, with regard to. Uh, Prayer in schools and then and then uh, abortion on demand uh, I also think to add to that I think part of the reason why is because many Christians advocated their responsibility to go and vote I'm, just, I'm just I just throwing that in there I think that they a lot of them contributed to this idea well you know God is in control and uh n- nobody there's there's no nobody tells the truth and i'm just not going to waste my time well i think that you're abdicating your responsibility as an american citizen and that is that is where the rubber meets the road here because as american christians we have a dual citizenship we have yes. we have you know clearly this is not our home but it is for right now
1: but we are also taught that we are ambassadors of heaven.
0: Right, we're ambassadors of, have- of heaven. So, with that, we be-
1: live. We live as Americans, knowing that our citizenship, our true citizenship, is heavenly.
0: Correct. And so, well, I guess, but I guess my my question that I'm kind of trying to long winded way ask out loud is. I was actually going to start this podcast with you with this question. Is there ever anything wrong? And there's a whole lot there's a whole lot packed into that question. In other words, I find that there is selective outrage depending on what is culturally popular or acceptable to be outraged about and what might not necessarily be popular to be outraged about okay in other words and i'm going to go back to the racism thing okay racism is right now it's a very very it's 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 a it's a political weapon i mean the 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 Racism is being used so much that it's lost some of its real meaning.
1: Well, and the twin evil right now is uh, culturalism.
0: Yes, yes, and and I have the,
1: the haves and the have-nots.
0: Right, right. The the you know the, and and. So class
1: warfare would be right. a better way to
0: put it. Yes, and that, that is true. There's,
1: and as much, there's as much class warfare right now as there is um, racism. And if it's hard to say this, but I think it's true. There's I really think there's more hypocrisy in class ra- class uh, warfare than there is in, in racism.
0: Well, okay, and and that, that's a very very good point. And uh I well, I'll give you an example, okay? People were outraged and rightfully so over this recent uh murder of a young black man in Georgia. Rightly right. so. However, these same people that are publicly outraged over this justifiably so. Didn't have a word to say I didn't hear anything when it was discovered that I mean it was proven that Jesse Smollett utilized racist stereotypes to further his own agendas. It, it, and it came
1: it, back to bite him.
0: Yeah, it did come back to bite him. But my my problem was that At first people believed him. Why? Because we all know that Well, he was popular, but not only that we're marinating in the well, it's pretty it it's probably reasonable that a black man walking down the street would be accosted by two white men, two white Trump supporters. We, who didn't exist by the way right. but people believed him because of course white people do that and sure. and that's my problem the the, the 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 there's no there's no outrage if if we're going to get ra- I, I've even heard this this recently this quote you know we we can't just it, there are things that we should be we should Get outraged about, and we should vocalize that. You know, even Dr. King said, you know, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. And he was absolutely sure. right. But my problem sure. is only the injustice that suits a narrative is what yes. people speak about. Yes, and. <sighs>
1: And that has become more pronounced in the last twenty years, but especially since the, um, you know, Facebook. It was already becoming an issue in regular media. Then social media comes along, and then you further parse that down to even to Twitter. We we have such a um, a personalized narrative and reality of the world now that we can choose to know and we can choose to not know, and we can choose to listen and to not listen. And we can and and by because of all of the ad avenues of social media, we can customize our own reality.
0: Right is like we can do. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. It's interesting that you say that. That's a very interesting point because, um, I mean, look at look at how uh, we. Uh, I mean, every. I mean, you, you mentioned Facebook. You know, we can customize our page. Uh, I've I've customized. I've customized this podcast. Uh, right. I've uh, you know we everything we 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 can customize anything we can make and and I'm not I'm not against that I, you know but I understand what you're you're coming from that we 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 can actually customize our own reality
1: right for and I'll give you a good example of that my youngest brother whom I love dearly is a um, he's big into prophecy I mean he's he's big into prophecy even bigger than your father was And, uh, you know, everything that happens has something to do with prophecy. And he gets frustrated with me because he says, you know, you as a pastor, you should be, you should understand this. You should be more into prophecy. And and I will just look at him sometimes. I said, you know, I don't have to worry about prophecy. And he said, well, "What do you mean? You don't have to worry about it? everybody. Should worry about." It. I said, "Look, man. Here's the deal. If I'm right with God, it doesn't matter how the world ends. Right. But in his, but in his world, everything has to have a connection to it." I posted a picture the other night. Uh, I was driving home from in-laws' house, and I posted a picture of the moon. I yeah, mean, it was saw a beautiful. That. Okay, it's man. a beautiful bright moon, and you know I'm fifty six, be fifty seven years old here in just a few months, and I never recall having to pull my sun visor down to drive on the interstate at night, right? Because of the moon, right? And I thought, man, that is so freaking gorgeous. He had to put a prophetic spin on it.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that, and, and
1: you know, like, you know, can we just not? Can we just enjoy the moon for its beauty? But see, you know, and I've got, uh, you know, I've got other friends that they live, they're so consumed with with sports that they don't know anything about anything else. Everything is about their sport. So we customize our realities. There was an earthquake today in Tennessee. Did you know that?
0: No, I did not know that.
1: But my brother knew that. Why? Because it has to do with prophecy.
0: Ah uh, yes, you know I'm I'm you know it's interesting that you say that because I I have plenty of friends on Facebook, and it seems like everything that happens is oh it it it's the Antichrist is you know there there he is or uh, yeah Obama, Obama was
1: the Antichrist until we found out he wasn't and then and then and then you know you go back
0: and uh when when uh, Bush Senior said, "New World Order." Oh my gosh! You know, and you know what?
1: They did that. It was September eleventh, nineteen
0: ninety. No, I, uh, yeah, nineteen ninety, right? That's correct. And uh, uh, and then and then you go on, and you. I remember when we were getting ready to go for the first Gulf War, and there were people saying, "Well, you know, Saddam Hussein he 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 he's got to represent that um, that terrible leader." <laughs> coming out of the you know, I'm like seriously even back then you know I was like oh my goodness and then and then of course when none of that happened all that fades away and then I almost want to go back to some of these people and go hey you remember when you said that no yeah no, I, I you know they don't they don't ever remember saying stuff like that or if they do they're like well you know uh I mean it it seemed like a good call at the time and I I just roll my eyes when I see stuff like that and I I don't even say anything anymore. I used to I used to feel that it was like my obligation to get on and correct people and I'm like, "You know what? It, what does the Bible say about arguing with a fool?" Yeah. You know, I, and I I just and unfortunately, I mean, I'm I I say this, you know, I'm glad some of you are believers because other than that, I'm, I'm glad you're going to be in heaven and I'm glad that you love the Lord. Cause other than that, you're a complete idiot, right? <laughs> you know? And it's just like, oh my gosh, dad, dad got mad at me one time because that dad was big on Jack Van Im- Impey right. and, and he got upset with me cause I wasn't. Yeah. Well, he got upset with me too, because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not, uh, now the man knew his scripture. I'll give him that. You know, he knew his scripture and, you know, but I was like, how in the world is this helping anything? Right. How is this making, and and dad, you know, when I, I said something to dad about now, you know, to me, I, I even, Dad, dad got mad at me one day at the, at the house. I was visiting with the kids and he said, I I said, yeah, I'm just not a big Jack Van Impey fan. And he goes, why? And I said, and the only thing I could think of, I said, Dad, Jack Van Impey reminds me, he's like the Jack Kevorkian of Christianity. You ever seen, you know who Jack Kevorkian is, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I remember him.
0: Okay. Did you ever see video of him when he was talking about assisted suicide? He had, like, this look on his face like it was Christmas morning. Oh, yeah. And he had this, you know, when he talked about death, when it was other people, when he talked about death, he he talked about it like people talk about their sports teams. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and well, that's exactly, want... the, that's exactly the way I felt about Jack Van Impey. Now, I'm, you know, I may get up to heaven and I may find out that, you know, I meet Jack, you know, and, and, you know, God may say, hey, you want to say hello to my servant, Jack Van Impe? Sure. But that doesn't mean that he was right all the
1: time. It means, what it means is he was saved by grace.
0: Right. And... I I, I'm, I even wonder sometimes when people finally get to the, you know, stand in front of the Father, that Jesus is kind of going, Jack, I know you love me, or, you know, Mark, I know you love me, and, and I know you were trying to do what I told you to do, but, dude, really? <laughs> you know, I, and I, I'm sure yeah. God will do the same with me. I'm sure there'll be many instances where God will kind of look at me and go, "Really, William?" Well, let me let me uh, let
1: me give you my two cents worth on that. My two cents worth on that is uh, is simply this: heaven, I believe. I don't have any proof of this. Is going to be so awesome, right? so wonderful, so utterly and completely different than anything we have experienced individually or collectively on this earth that nothing that happened here will matter. If we even have a... If we even have recall of it. I I'm, I, I, I I'm thinking that for heaven to be heaven that we may not be able or need to be able to recall anything here because anything having to do with this earth and our life here by necessity is less than perfect.
0: Well you know it's it's funny you say that. Let's let's hang on that for just a second. Um, I just recently um, was, well, I forget what I was watching in particular. Um, one of the many things that I tend to watch on YouTube. Um, and again, customizing your reality. Uh, that, there you go. Well, I guess that ends, I guess that is the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. No, um, <laughs> 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 Pastor John called you me out. <laughs> yeah.
1: We customize our reality.
0: Yes, we do. And, um, certainly customize my tv viewing um but at any rate um there was a someone was talking about an example uh, that there was a it was a meme on facebook but they were talking about it. I'd seen the meme but they were talking about it and it was um it was a an, it was a pro life meme but it showed these two fetuses or these two babies in the womb talking about you know you know one of them was saying you know i'm getting ready to to go into something new into a new life and this that, and the other and the other baby was the other baby was saying man there's nothing but this you do you have any evidence that there's anything beyond this no no you you you're going to be here and then you know you're in the womb and you're going to be here and uh then you're going to be gone and there's there's nothing after this And the, 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 you know, they're in the womb, of course, having this debate and, you know, and then of course, after the baby is born, we don't, I don't have any recollection of being in the womb. Right. Okay. So I imagine that death is merely just another, uh, or going into eternity. Uh, it's like being born again. Right. Exactly. That there's this, you don't, you're not, we're not going to have, there's no need for us to have any memories of being in the womb. As, as a matter sure. of fact, being born is such a traumatic event. Because, right. you know, when you're in the womb, you're you're not breathing. You've got the amniotic fluid around you. You're in water. And, you know, you're comfortable, but you're, you know, you're, you you know, you're all compact and everything, but, and, you know, you're getting all your food and everything, all your sustenance, you don't, you don't have any understanding of that. You don't need to. Right. And then when you're born, well, now, all of a sudden, that whole world has changed. Right. And, but none of us have the capacity to remember when we were in the womb.
1: So, not even, so, not even Shirley McLean. Not even what? Not even Shirley McLean.
0: Not even Shirley McLean. <laughs> Some people won't get that reference, Pastor.
1: <laughs> I, know, I think she's hilarious, though. So. Um,
0: but the the thing is, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that we won't. I mean, the Bible says that there'll be no more sorrow and no more pain. I can only imagine that. Do you think? Here's a curious question, a little off the subject, but do you think that those people that we loved on this earth, but you know, end up being lost? Do you think we'll even remember that?
1: I, I don't think so. And it's here's another. And here's why I don't believe that we will. When Jesus was talking to his disciples. Um, he was telling them about heaven, and he, he made a reference. There'll be no marriage in heaven. Right. We'll be like the angels. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, wh- what exactly was he trying to say? What was he trying to convey there? I think what he was saying there is, if there's no marriage in heaven, then there's no family structure. Okay. Now, if I get rid of family structure, there's, you know, um, then I don't have to worry about like some of these sweet ladies that we know uh, who were married to a good godly man and he passed. And then they married another good godly man and maybe he passed. Because I've known ladies that have outlived a couple of husbands, or maybe she was married to a godly man and he passed and then she remarried a godly man and she passed and then her second husband passed. Whose husband is she going to be when she gets to heaven? Right, right, right. So if there's no family structure, then I cannot relate to my father, Fred John Medley Sr., as my father. I cannot relate to Fred John Medley Jr. as my brother, okay? Right. We are all children of God. So how cool is that, that the family structure, as important as it is, as as necessary as it is, as God ordained as it is on this earth, when we get there... Everybody is everybody's brother or everybody's sister. And let's think about it in in these terms. What is one of the most difficult things that people have ever dealt with in this life? It's bad family structure. Right. It's true. Okay. So when we get to heaven, whether you have an awesome family life or whether you have a terrible family life, when we get there... There's only our father, and all of us are brothers, all of us are sisters, we're all equal, we're all the same, and all of the pain, and all of the sorrow, and all of the heartache, of all of the abuse, of all the sexual abuse, of all of the, the health issues, anything and everything that has affected our family, whether it be for a week, a month, or, or 50 years, all of that is gone. So I really think that when God, when Jesus was saying there's no marriage in heaven, he means that there's no family structure as we know it here, because he's got such a cooler, bigger, stronger, more awesome plan for eternity than we have here.
0: Right i i, I would I would agree. Those are the things I've pondered myself, and uh, of course i did I didn't really intend to to go in that direction, but that's that's an interesting. But, and I
1: said that to say this, that because there's no reason for us to have family structure up there and no memory, we won't have any memory of people who didn't make it and people who, or, and we won't wonder why people did make it. We're not going to be, you know, again, if I get on a soapbox and go too far, that's all right, go,
0: go, go, go. go.
1: (laughs) But, there are lots of really bad songs out there. Not that the songs are bad, but the theology of them are so bad. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven to see grandma or my uncle or my brother. Or, right. You know, I, you know, and the pastor that was preaching the sermon when uh, when I gave my heart to Christ, he said, "I'm making an appointment with you all. I'm going to meet you just inside the eastern gate." You know, if you give your heart to Christ tonight, I'll meet you when you get there. We've got a lot of people who want to go to heaven for all the wrong reasons.
0: Fair enough. Okay.
1: Yeah. I want people to want to go to heaven because they're in love with Jesus. I want people to go to heaven because they want to spend eternity with the one who saved them, who gave his life for them. Yes, I love my mother. Yes, I love my father. And if I get to heaven and I know them in a relationship that they were my mother and my father on earth, that's awesome. But they're not why I want to go to heaven.
0: Right. You know, and it's funny you say that, Pastor. I think, uh, you know, I've been battling a... I'm a, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it a mindset. And this is uh, – I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but oh well. Um, you know, this is – the show is about what I think. So, <laughs> um, you and you know, so one of the things that I have been dealing with is the idea that – you know i think i might have said it to you in one of our talks when uh, i was going through my real dark time and uh which makes this uh this this podcast ex- extra special because uh you were uh, very very instrumental in my in my healing um and several of the times that we had a chat and we we talked about some things but uh, one of the things that I have been battling is this mindset of, you know, I really, I know Jesus, I, okay, I know that Jesus is Lord. I believe everything that the scripture says about him. I I believe that, uh, you know, I mean, everything that we as Christians claiming our creeds and everything I believe that there, there's no doubt about it but I have to tell you there's a lot of times when I'm like you know if it weren't for the fact that there's a hell I don't know if I'd pay Jesus any mind now please understand where i'm how i'm saying that. i'm 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 saying that in a raw sense because there's we you know, I mentioned earlier in this in this podcast, we were talking about we were we were raised in the fire and brimstone, the hellfire and brimstone preaching and stuff like that. You know, the hell is still hot, and you know, and that there are consequences. Jesus is judge. Jesus is going to be judge. Okay, I mean, you you don't deny that you preach that yourself, but I, there's this there's deep down inside me, Pastor, and I'm just being very honest that there's a lot of times when I, you know, Lord, you know, Jesus said that that for all those who uh, are servants of God, all those who are, you know, followers of Christ, we're going to have trouble. Matter of fact, we're probably going to have more trouble than the rest of the world, you know. And, yeah, uh, that's not very encouraging. I believe you when you say that. I believe it. I don't like it.
1: Scripture says that we will be salted with fire.
0: Right, and you know that. I'm sorry. I don't find that very pleasant. I don't find that. I don't find that something to get excited about. And I, 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 you know, I believe it's truth. Do, Do not, do not. I don't want anybody to mistake what I'm saying. I do not deny the truth of what the scripture says don't deny it one bit but i have to tell you that i'm like you know lord if it weren't for the fact that that hell is just as real as heaven and that there is going to be punishment for those who are disobedient i don't know how i if i would be if i would be serving you without that incentive does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying, Pastor? I think I do. I think we I think that you,
1: what you're saying is that it's okay to be that. Um, it's okay to be honest with Christ about where you are, and it's okay to um, to voice your doubts and concerns and your skepticism. Um, and it's okay that uh, there is a place to scare us because sometimes that's what we need.
0: Right, right.
1: Because we, we don't feel very loved or very loving. And if motivation by fear... For periods of time in our life, if that is the only motivation we have and it allows us to stay on the right road, then that's a good thing. Because we're not always going to be in those dark places. Right. Um, you know, uh, you remember back in 2006 when um, I got hurt in that pig cooker explosion? Yes, sir. I went through a a really tough time. That that happened in July. It Happened on in, um, in July July twenty sixth two thousand six, and uh, I didn't know how seriously I was hurt, but the doctors were they were very concerned that I wouldn't make it through the night, um, because they initially thought that I had inhaled the flames I said that's possible and they said yes and no they said more of inhaling the vapors from the gas right and uh, and the sheer heat w- from the explosion it would have burned the inside of my lungs mm-hmm. and so that's the reason why they that was the main reason why they flew me to a burn hospital immediately rather than treat me there at the Hendersonville Hospital. Well, I spent four days in Augusta and uh, uh, the burn hospital there, and then, when I, and then I went home, and I was not allowed to leave my house for 30 days. So I had a little bit of coronavirus uh, <laughs> lockdown. And let me tell you, after 30 days of not leaving, not only did I not leave my house, I only was in three rooms of my house for 30 days because my body hurt so bad, I couldn't get up the steps. So for 30 days, I stayed in a Lazy Boy in the den. And, um, you know, I went through all of that pain and everything, but I remember there were days when I questioned God, over, okay, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? And eventually it was replaced with, you know, I'm glad that this happened to me rather than one of my staff. Right. At that At that particular camp, I had nine people working under me. And it could have been any one of them, but it was me. And I came to the point where I was glad that I was the one that was burned so I could explain to my wife that I was stupid rather than explain to somebody else's wife why I allowed one of my staff members to get hurt. Right. And that was the darkest place I'd ever been. And I, I decided right then, even though I was hurting, even though I was angry, As much with myself as anything, I was angry with God over allowing this to happen. I came to the point, I remember standing in the bathroom trying to shave, which was a joke. And I looked in the mirror and I said, God, I love you. I will serve you anyway, no matter how bad this pain is. We go through times where we need to be pushed. We go through times where we need to struggle. We go through times of doubt. We go through times of anger. If you, if you got to a place in your life where the only reason why you serve God was to escape hell, that's okay. Now, you don't want to live there. You don't want to stay there. But if that gets you through a day or a week or a month and it keeps you on the right path where you can get back to a quote unquote proper relationship strong relationship then that's okay and God understands that i believe that his understanding of us is so much greater than we give him credit for that he 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 knows when places um i tell people i've told people all my life it's okay to be angry with God. You told me that. It's, it's okay to yell at God. It's okay to scream at God. You know why? Because no matter how much I yell at him or scream at him or rage towards him or how angry I am with him, it never, ever, for one millisecond, affects his love for me. He is just that big, that strong, that powerful, that patient, that loving, and that kind, no matter who I am. That's the reason why a person could be, I don't know, choose the most evil person you can possibly think of, whether it's Hitler or Hannibal Lecter. And if if in their dying breath they said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord, they would make it. That's how much he loves us, and it's okay for us to be incredibly honest with God because He's big enough to take it.
0: Well, see that it was something you told me. Uh, I remember telling you I was like, um, one of the uh, during 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 that period of time where I was talking with you and i was going through that transition and and that 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 issue um i remember saying i don't want to be angry at god (laughs) i remember you saying go ahead be angry do you think do you think you're the first and i was like well, now that you mention it, uh, you know, and and I did, I, I got really angry. And then it was funny because I remember talking to my drummer Bobby um, later on because he, he said something to me, too, that was real interesting. And see, both you and he are alike in this way because both of you guys could have quoted me scriptures and you could have you could have given me all the pat answers and, you know, Then sent, you know, patted me on the head and sent me on my way, but you didn't do that. And my friend Bobby, he said, Well, I'm going to tell you something. Your life is going to suck for a while. And I was like, Thank you. Thank you that somebody has the stones to tell me the truth. I didn't like it. But I was, I'd really want, I'd rather have that than than somebody, you know, telling me, well, you know, God's got a plan. Well, at, I'm going to tell you this, you know, my answer to that would have been, i had been, well, that's great for God. Or, you know, God's in control. I, I even said this. You know, that's great for God. God's in control. But I'm not. And, and that was, that was the problem. That was, you know, I was tired of hearing all the pat answers, which were not answered. They weren't helping me at all. Um, I think I told you this. Um, I used to work for a trust plant and, uh, I would, I cut my, I cut three of my uh, right hand fingers, my thumb, my 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 forefinger and my middle finger on a gang nail plate. Sliced them up good, and I was taken to um, the the clinic there on Skybow Road. And uh, the doctor, you know, I'd had stitches before, so this was nothing new. But I remember the doctor told me he because I had my arm out, and he goes, "Okay, I'm going to let you know, Mister Rouser." This is going to hurt, and I and I was like, Doc, I, th- you know, I this is not a new rodeo for me. I've been, you know, I've been here before. I've had stitches. He says, no, you don't understand, Mister Rouser. This is going to hurt. Okay, okay. As soon as he stuck that needle, because he had to stick it into my fingertip. Yep. Into my. In okay. As soon as he did that, the most intense pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I was weeping. I was like, Doc, what are you doing to me? And he said, hey, you're doing pretty good, and usually I'm already cussed out by now. <laughs> you know, but his point was, he I mean, he said it's just as matter of fact as anybody. He said, this is going to hurt, Mr. Rouser. Okay. Now, and it did. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> you know, The stitches weren't the problem. (laughs) Stitches (laughs) are the least to your concern at that point. Okay, and to this day, Pastor, to this day, I telling you that story. I can still feel the needles. I can still feel them. Now, my point with that was that um, sometimes God says that to us. Sure, this is going to hurt. Oh, well, you know, no, but Lord, you know, you got everything. No, you don't understand, Mark. This is going to hurt. Yep. Okay. Now, you can, some people can debate, well, maybe that was God's plan for you to be in that explosion. Or, you know, I personally don't always buy that. But God knew that you were going to be in that position. Um. You know, it may be. I when I get to heaven, I'll find that most of my most of my theological premises are probably wrong anyway. Um, not the important ones, but <laughs> you know, my my <laughs> not not the important ones. But um, I guess w- what I'm saying is that that regardless, I don't I don't think God planned pre planned for you to be in that circumstance. Maybe I I could be wrong. I'm not trying to debate whether that that point or not, but um I do think that God does tell us it's going to hurt. Yeah. Let me
1: uh, let me run one by you on that one. Sure. When I was 16, my best friend uh Ken Brown, he and his brother were Kevin Farber. Ken and I have been um friends since kindergarten and he moved away uh from Nashville uh, about seventy miles and he would come to my house and visit a week or two each year and I would go to his house and visit a week or two each year. So we we maintained our friendship for ten or eleven years, probably eleven years. Um you know, and that was back when people barely had telephones. Right. I mean, we, had, we had a private line in Nashville with they, they, the, the, where he lived in out in the sticks. They had a party line, and they, they didn't even have it when they first moved there. I mean, before technology, we wrote letters back and forth, and we would call each other when our parents could afford the long distance. But we maintained this relationship. So when he and his brother and. Well, there were six people in the wreck and five died four instantly and one four hours later in the hospital, one person survived. Um, when we went to the funeral and they did uh, Ken and his brother Danny's funeral at the same time. And then the next day they did the funeral for the other two young boys that were killed. Um the pastor got up and he said, this wasn't God's will. This was, you know, this was an evil perpetrated by the devil and all this stuff. And I didn't, I didn't want to believe all that. And I didn't have the theological education back then that I have now, but something didn't sound right. Right, 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 right. So I went home very torn up, very mixed up. And, um, I talked to my pastor who was at the time Roy Thompson and uh, Brother Thompson told me he said Mark he said you got to understand something he said there is God's perfect will for every person and there's God's acceptable will and I said well what do you mean Brother Thompson he said well he said, in God's perfect will for your life and Kenny's life and Danny's life, um, Danny would have never been born with a hearing defect. Um, Kenny would have not crossed that line at 70 miles an hour in a Mustang. He would have never lost your best friend, yada, yada, yada. He said, yeah, that would maybe that was God's perfect will. But in God's acceptable will, he knew that um, that Ken could pass and Danny could pass and those other three people could pass and life would go on. He said, it hurts. He said, I cannot imagine why God would allow that to happen because that was the only two kids that Ken and Rebecca had. I mean, they lost both their boys instantly. And he said, you lost your best friend, but there's a a set of parents that lost both of their children in a moment. He said, I don't, he said, Mark, I don't pretend to understand God's acceptable will. He said, but God allows some things to happen in our lives and allows some hurtful, painful things to come into our lives. That we may or may not understand at the time. And we may or may not understand over time. But what we have to understand. What we can understand is. That God. In God's acceptable will. uh, He loves us. He gives us grace. He teaches us. And he refines us in his acceptable will if if he said if we were always in god's perfect will all the time every moment of every waking every waking moment we would never experience any pain or any suffering or any anything he said it'd be like a garden of eden experience and he said and that's not where we live
0: that's true and and i would even offer um as you told that story um I, I I've heard it referred to as his permissive will is perfect will versus permissive will, but it's the, it's the yeah. same thing, different nomenclature, but it's the same yeah. thing. And, uh, but you know, it, it's funny. Um, and I gotta be careful cause I don't want to lose my train of thought here. Um, you know, when, when, when you speak about God's perfect will, in reality, because you know the Bible says that that um, it's God's will that you be sanctified. It's God's will that you be, you know, that all men come to. Uh, um, how, how does that scripture go? Um, to be conform, we're we're predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Uh, a, a, a passage of scripture that is often. Uh, quoted out of context for a certain narrative, which neither you nor I care to go to, have the time we'd be here all night talking about that, but um, the truth is, you know, it's God's will that we be conformed to the likeness of Christ, but we also know that not everybody's going to be conformed to the likeness of Christ and
1: because also know that the likeness of Christ means that we by necessity we suffer because Christ suffered.
0: Right, so there's and 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 that adds to the other thing is that God didn't you know Jesus could have walked this earth not having suffered the loss of friends not having suffered uh you know not you know we don't we don't know anything about Jesus growing up we just you know we have a we have a glimpse when he was twelve years old but you know from the time he was you know in the manger till the time he started his ministry. We don't really have any, we don't know what he was doing during that time, but I imagine he was probably doing like everybody else suffering under the Romans, you know, you know, watching his dad have to pay exorbitant taxes to a tyrannical state and, you know, and having to work his fingers to the bone because guess what? We got to eat. And I imagine there were lean times. And, I mean, you know, just because he was the son of God doesn't mean that he, uh, while he was on this earth, was exempt from the same ravages of life that we are. And also, he wasn't exempt from the same, from the joys of life that we have. And um, I think there's this element of freedom you know that that we don't take into account we often say why god did you allow this well why did god allow me to allow me to sin and do my thing and then you know cuz there are people who like you know they they sin and they sin and they sin and they sin and they sin they have no regard for god and then you know they dodge bullets somehow and then they come to a knowledge a saving knowledge of Christ, and they go, "You know what? I don't understand how I even survived this long you know? right you know and and you know, why did God allow me to to sin and do all that and all this and yet he allows all this uh, you, you know if you have to ask if God won't allow pain." He can't allow pleasure either, you know. I okay. mean, we I, at least that's what I, I mean. I I can't I can't back that up with scripture, or at least I, I don't think I can. Um, I haven't studied I haven't if studied the scripture. Huh? Say what?
1: If you do, let me know. I'd <laughs> yeah. like to
0: see <laughs> I'll send you my notes. <laughs> right. But I I mean I there's some things you know I I was telling somebody just recently. I said, you know uh oddly enough it was a it was a coworker who was talking to me about some he was talking to me about um apparently he's written he's read this book about from some guy who's proven that the that the earth is not five billion years old and this that and the other and i you know I kind of roll my eyes at that because like we don't really know we can we can make some educated guesses, but we don't really know. I don't have a problem with the earth being 5 billion years old. I don't have a problem with the earth being 6,000 years old. Neither one of those premises bother me. And I told him that, I was like, look, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, he was like, oh, he's, he's proven it. Well, okay, maybe he has, but, you know, does it really matter? Right. And, and, and. I, I was saying, you know, God, you know, the God can very easily, because it says in the scripture that, you know, one day is like a thousand years, or, you know, a thousand years is like a day to God. So, because he's God, he can create the, the he, he can create the earth and the universe, and it all came into being, and just because it takes light, you know, we we think we know where the edge of the universe is because it, or that it's 13 billion years old because of the way light travels but since god is light why can't he give light the same qualities you, you know and i was just i was like you know when it comes to stuff like that i mean we can sit here and philosophize all day long does it really matter right if god doesn't and and i said to him i said it because i had to end my break cuz i was on my way back to my workstation, I said um, that uh, yeah, I had it right there, tip of my tongue. and I don't remember what it was I said. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the long and short of it is is that God can do whatever He wants to do. That wasn't my point. Uh, I'm, I'm happy, he You know, I mean, it, 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 I I looked at him and I was like, why are you, why do you, why does this, why does this have to matter? Why does this have to matter to, to, to be, uh, as if, as if it's something that I should, if this is a hill I should die on. Why? Right. Why? Well, I don't need that. Doesn't it doesn't matter to me? Um, it's it's just not something that we need to really concern ourselves with. I mean, I guess in certain certain air intellectual circles and arenas, we maybe that that kind of thing is justifiable. You know, right? But that's that's beyond my pay grade.
1: It doesn't put on the table or alleviate suffering.
0: Right. You know, and and so it, God makes a. Oh, oh, I know what it was that I said to him, I was like, you know, the Bible tells us everything we need to know. It doesn't tell us everything that there is to know. Right. Well, that's that's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> this is live, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so and yeah. it is true. You know, I mean, you know, God doesn't just give us all the answers.
1: Yeah, and there's there are people who, because God doesn't give us all the answers, they think they have to go find them. Right. But if I have all the answers, am I living by faith?
0: Valid point.
1: Because, I mean, what does Hebrews 11 1 say about faith? It's the evidence of things hoped for. The proof of things not seen. You've heard me preach this, and I've said it from the pulpit, and you've probably heard it. If you can see it, it's not faith. Right. All right. So, like the room I'm sitting in here right now, I have faith that my wife and daughter are on the other side of the wall, but I can't see them. Right. So for me for me to say my wife and daughter are on the other side of that wall is a statement of reason because that's the last place I saw them. Right. But it's also a statement of faith because I really think that's where they are. But if I could see into that room, if I had my Superman glasses and could see into that room, then I wouldn't have to have faith that they're in that room. I could see that they're in that room. God wants us to live by faith. Because if we can see everything, then we don't have to have faith in it. Right, right. Okay, we are saved by grace through faith. Right. Okay? Right. I have to have faith that God's grace is sufficient for my sin. Because I can't sit down with God and say, okay... Between the period of July 31st, 1963, and you know, uh, Sunday, May the 10th, 2020, I committed 11,736 cents. It's 37, uh, <laughs> yeah. And God, God goes, Well, okay, but I only had grace for 10,000, so you owe me for 1,137. Right, you know, yeah. uh. If, if I could sit down and exchange my sins for forgiveness in a transaction, it wouldn't be faith. But I have to trust that God loves me, and I have to trust that what Christ did on the cross, he did because he loved me. And I have to trust that his blood being shed was sufficient because... If I can't live by faith, then I can't live in proper relationship to God.
0: Well, that I, – i oddly enough, I don't have a comment. <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, because uh, how else are we going to
1: relate to God?
0: Right, exactly, yeah.
1: We're physical, he's spiritual. We're human, he's awesome. He's God, he's holy. He's everything we're not. Now, so uh, the uh, only way to relate to him is by faith.
0: Right. And um, now, uh, and I certainly don't want to pull you off of your of your uh, of your mental track here, um, such that it is, Uh, um, but. Because yeah,
1: because it, it's, <laughs> no, it's easy enough for me to get off track. Uh,
0: that's, that's why, as a pastor, you have notes, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I know that's right. That's what I had to do. Um, yeah, I, I want to kind of address kind of a not an ugly elephant in the room, but I, I kind of a just a little bit because I told you at the very beginning of this that you know, some of my listeners are, are not Christian. Some of my, some of the people that I've interviewed are not Christian. And I've, I've, I've said this in numerous of my podcasts that this is not focus on the family. So, uh, you know, I, 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 that's why I give everybody an opportunity to, uh, say without, to say what they have to say, uh, Without, um, I don't want to say without challenge, but without, um, without any fear of, uh, you know, oh, can I say that? And and I I know knowing you as I do, that that that's not even an issue anyway. But, um, what I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I know this. Some people might regard this as a Christian podcast. It is not. I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, some of my guests are Christian, but this is not a Christian podcast, but I gladly give an open forum to those who share my faith. Right. And um, so I you know I want people to understand that look uh, you may you may be listening to this podcast and go man there's too much god stuff. Well, guess what? I'm speaking to a pastor (laughs) (laughs) who's my friend. (laughs) There's going to be some God stuff, (laughs) you you know? And uh, so, you know, I tell people, I tell people the same, I tell Christians if they were listening to some of the people that I might be having conversation with who are not believers, if you don't like what they're saying, you don't have to listen to my podcast. And if you don't like what my, my friend Mark is saying you don't have to listen to my podcast because I'm a First Amendment guy. <laughs> and uh yeah. you know, and I believe that, you know, we should be we should be just as vocal about what we believe as anybody else. And uh so that's part of the forum and I I, I that's not a commercial or anything. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, it, cause the bulk of this as we're, we're going to start winding it down. Cause I've, i I'm grateful for your, the time that you're giving me on this faster. Cause I know you've got plenty. I know you're a busy man. Um, but I, the bulk of this has certainly been about, it's certainly been Christian themed. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm I'm okay with that. And since this is my show <laughs> you know, if you if you wanna hear if you wanna hear a different perspective, there's seven hundred thousand other podcasts you can listen to. So uh I, I I joke whenever I say this isn't focus on the family. I well, I don't joke, but I say that kind of facetiously, not because not because I have anything against focus on the family, but because the the Dobson crew have to tailor make their show for a certain audience. I have right. I I have no such limitations. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, I have no sponsors. <laughs> I have you know, I'm not making any money at this. Uh and even if I was it wouldn't change it, but uh so I I like having the free form. I like having the uh the raw. Even if that, yeah. means, even if that means that I'm gonna have some people on who might say some things that are uh a little shocking. Not well not, you know, not not dirt I don't want I don't want filthy, dirty and stuff like that, but I'm just saying that there are gonna be people who are gonna say things that are Not going to be Christian. (laughs) Well, you know, you can always wind it up by asking
1: me some questions where faith doesn't necessarily come. I can't answer a question where faith doesn't inform my answers because that's who I am. Right. That's exactly right. You you can you can ask me questions about anything. You know, you keep saying you're a First Amendment guy. Well, I'm a First Amendment guy too, but I'm also a Second Amendment guy.
0: Oh yes.
1: and a 10th <laughs> and uh, you know uh you know pick your amendment and we can talk about it but the fourth uh,
0: amendment guy too <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really bothering me right now uh is this whole issue of states rights
0: go, go, and explain that
1: well okay normally i'm a huge states rights guy i wish the federal government would get out of our lives and stay out of our lives. For example, uh, one of the worst things that the federal government ever did was to create the Department of Education. I agree. I agree. If every state were allowed to tailor its education to the people in that state and deal with the people in that state, and we never had that Department of Education, not only would we be saving billions of dollars, but states like I live in that are very conservative could have a completely different way of teaching than states, say, you know, in the People's Republic of California. (laughs) Um, So normally, I'm a states' rights guy, using education as an example. But right now, with this whole quarantine COVID piped up thing that we're going through. I really wish the federal government would crack the whip on some of these governors and say, you can't do that. You are violating the citizens of the United States of America by your, uh, your stay in shelter in place orders, your stay at home orders. Uh, you know, the, the governor of Maine said that churches were closed indefinitely no. You can't do that. Governor Newsom out in California. We're going to, you know, he he lumped all the uh the churches in with entertainment venues. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, that was uh Cuomo, you know, he he says that his Roman Catholicism informs his decisions. No. No it
0: doesn't.
1: And Nancy Pelosi claims to be a Catholic. You know, I, I don't know how many people I've told, you know, what America needs. Well, I'm, I'm going off subject, so let me just back up. Because um, <laughs> it's easy to do. But right now, I would like for the federal government to tell the mayors and the governors to quit. Building kingdoms unto themselves. Right. And being little emperors and little dictators. The the state you know I I can't remember exactly the wording in the Constitution, but it's something to the effect that the powers not specifically written for the federal government are left to the states.
0: Right. That's right. Enumerated. I think it's the word.
1: Enumerated. Yeah. But here's the thing. Right now we have mayors and governors and, and all of the who are blatantly wiping their hands on the constitution. Yes, sir. They're just, they're just tearing the constitution left and right. And we need the federal government to step in, whether it's bar or the president, or, you know, whoever is, you know, uh, the AG had to intervene for several churches in Kansas a couple, uh, you know, last week, the governor of Kansas. Yes. You, can't, you, know, you can't tell these people not to worship. So right now, I wish the feds would step in and say, okay, you you can set your rules. You can do these things, but you cannot violate the Constitutional rights, of all Americans, even if they live within the boundaries of your state. So we've got too many states superseding the Constitution in the name of "we know
0: better." Well, it's in, it's specifically in the Kansas situation where the uh, I think it was the mayor of Kansas City, uh.
1: Kansas City, Kansas
0: or Kansas City, Missouri? Kansas because- City, Kansas. Uh, I I don't know. See, the the capital's Topeka, right? So, um, but it, it was a it was a mayor who basically said that um we need a list of all your congregants so that of all your churches so that those violating uh. Those violating the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, well, well, the the social distancing guidelines and stuff like that, uh, we'll pay them a visit. And I'm like, I I read that and I was like, no, 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 no. Every church, I, I, I'm trying to remember, one of my friends posted that on Facebook and I said, every single church needs to not comply.
1: Well, and I was one of your friends who posted that.
0: Oh, okay. So it was you, okay? Um, but
1: here's the thing. Here's the thing.
0: That's right. I remember that now.
1: Yeah, mayors have been doing that for years. You know, Houston, uh, less than twelve years ago, oh, and maybe ten, uh, elected an openly lesbian mayor, and she got it in her head that she could edit all of the sermons of yes. all of the pastors in Houston.
0: I remember that. Yes.
1: And the federal government had to step in and say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, it should have never gotten to the federal level.
0: Right. I agree.
1: The city council of Houston should have shut her down. And when they didn't, the governor of Texas should have shut her down. And whether that was back, and uh, this was after K. Bailey Hutchinson. So it would would have probably been a male governor when he didn't do it. Then the federal government, you know, they had to step in. But it's just that kind of stuff. You know, I'm a states rights guy and I believe in states rights, but the the overreach has got to stop.
0: You well, if they can't stop the in, Constitution. That's right. the highest law the land. And that's
1: the- I live in Tennessee, and you're over in North Carolina. My daughter's over in North Carolina. And, you know, Rachel's here right now, and she's like, I can't believe you can go sit down in a restaurant and eat. Well, we couldn't do that until this week. But, I mean, we've, we haven't had near the lockdowns that you guys have. We, we haven't had any curfews. We haven't had any uh, uh, of the... Uh, You know, police, highway patrol stopping you at the border and asking you what business you have in, like they've done in some places. Right. So, I mean, see, it's been irritating, but it hasn't been terrible.
0: Well, it has here, Um, at least here in Fayetteville, it hasn't been as bad as, say, Charlotte or. But you
1: guys have a nine o'clock curfew.
0: Well, yeah, we do. But
1: I mean. I appreciate my. I appreciate my employer because they're a national company they, um, they issued everybody a letter and I've had to carry a letter in my pocket since all this stuff started. Me too that, that, that says I have, you know I'm a essential worker and I have to be out so, you know I can be out at any time of the day or night as long as I'm going back and forth to work and I, I cannot imagine you know having to stop and show somebody that I'm on my way to work. But a lot of people have had to do that. Yes. And why, why it's not because of the federal government; it's because of the state and local government.
0: That's correct. So,
1: you know, there's, there's a lot of that stuff going on. Um, you know, other issues that I feel strongly about are, you know, ask me, and I'm, you know, I got, I got a lot of opinions,
0: uh, but I know that you do. And, uh, uh, that's what I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was because I, content would not be a problem yeah. <laughs> in our, dis, in our discussion. And, uh, and with that being said, um, cause I'm going to start winding it down cause we've, we've gone almost two hours and I appreciate, again, I appreciate your time. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, one of the things I'm going to say is I hope that, you will join me again and hopefully we won't have the same technical issues we've started. (laughs) Um, But we overcame it um, and uh, it's, it, it turned out to be a, it's, it's been really, really wonderful. Uh, And so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we can discuss some of these uh, other things uh, at another time. Uh, If you, if if you'd care to join me um, again and uh, you're you're the uh, let's see one two three you're the fifth pastor <laughs> that I've had as a guest. Um, yeah. uh, and all been all have been wonderful. All have been great. I I've, I actually all all of my podcasts have have really turned out really really well because I've I've got good guests. <laughs> I, I've got great I got you know great discussions, and so I guess winding down with this, uh, I, a couple of questions. Normally I have like a, I have like a couple of categories that I like to, to do. Um, one of them is I, I have a pet peeve of the episode. And so, uh, what is one of your pet peeves? It's, it's, this is not something that's necessarily, in the grand scheme of things, that big of a deal. It's not something that, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, this is not a hill that you necessarily want to die on, but something that just really gets under your skin that maybe people do. Maybe you do, maybe, you know, but it's a pet peeve of yours that you, you kind of, what would be a pet peeve of yours? I know you have many, but one in particular. uh,
1: Employers that don't trust employees.
0: Okay, explain that real quick.
1: For example, you know, I'm a pastor, but I've also been a meat cutter off and on since I was 20 years old. There have been years and years that I didn't do it, but there's also been years that I did. I know more about the retail meat business than all of the people that work at my store. Uh Okay. Uh, There's three, well, there's five people in our department. Um, Three of us have 30 plus years experience. So we're the three old guys. We know what we're doing. Right. We believe you know, the old saying is, I forgot more about it than you'll ever know. Right. You know, between the three of us, we've forgotten more about the meat business than the other 90 people who work there even know. Our employer, the bosses, the the four people above us, they don't they don't give a rip about our knowledge or our skills, or our experience. All they care about is, did we check the box? Right, right. Just make sure the boxes are checked. They don't give a rip about the quality of our work. They don't give a rip about the fact that we pride ourselves on doing a good job. All they want is are the boxes checked so they can send their little computerized reports in to a server in Arizona, and they can go home and drink a beer. They go weeks without coming into our department, ever saying anything to us, but they tie our hands and do not allow us to do our job and then fuss at us because the job's not done. And then when we explain to them why we were not able to do it, then they just get mad and go stomp off back to their office and try to find something that we did wrong. And if that's happening to me in one little old grocery store, in one little old town, how many other people are going through the exact same thing at their job, you know, and having to deal with the same crud from their bosses who have never, you know, in my case, None of the people above me have ever picked up a knife, but they tell me how to run the business. And I can imagine it happens with it, it happens with mechanics, it probably happens with doctors, it happens with you know tech people. Oh, it happens um,
0: with me. let me
1: tell you it happens it, it, Your job, are you still working for the same place you were working before?
0: Yes, sir, I am.
1: So it handles with you, and you know, I, that's my pet peeve of the day: uh, employers <laughs> that employers that don't trust their employees. I told I told my boss the other day, our our department we had this time last year when I came to work for this company, we had seven people in our department doing thirty five thousand dollars a week, so that's five thousand dollars per person. Right, you know. Right now we have five people doing forty-five thousand.
0: Wow, that's nine
1: thousand. So that's nine thousand dollars per person, and they keep telling us we need to cut hours. Our productivity has doubled, almost doubled in a year, but that we need to cut hours. If I told my boss the other day, I said, look, you know, if you give me enough product, I could put $50,000 a week in this department. Well, we just can't do that. Her answer was, we just can't do that. They don't trust me to do my job. So if a guy with 30 years experience can't be trusted to do his job, what about all across America? Why don't you guys just trust me to do my job? Okay. What was your other category? Okay.
0: (laughs) That was a good one. Wow. (laughs) Um, That was a real good one. Um, Okay. Uh, My other category is uh, now because I'm a musician, I always tend to do this and I always try to gear it towards music. If there was a musician, uh, although you're, you're a sports guy too, right? Um, Oh, uh, if, I, I'm. There was an artist that live alive or dead that has inspired you or influenced you or someone whose work you just stand in awe of. I don't. I don't. What genre doesn't matter? Um, is there? Who would that be? Music wise, it could be music or it could be sports. A sports figure or. Uh, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of broadening the, the, the terms a little bit. Um, but if there was, if there was somebody that maybe, uh, some artist or some performer or some athlete that was, I don't know, somebody that you just look at in awe, it doesn't matter what their lifestyle is or anything, just someone that you, you looked at and go, Man, that person right there you know, maybe it drove you okay.
1: to yeah, I right. you know. I'm I'm I think if I could sit down and talk with let me let me rephrase your question a little bit. If there were a person that I could sit down and talk with and try to glean information from Okay, yeah, that'll work, yeah. Because because I respect their work. Okay. Um. I would like to sit down with uh, Mike Shishovsky and um. Uh, I well, I could say Dabo Sweeney, but um. Nick Saban. If I could sit down with Nick Saban and Mike Shishovsky. And 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 say to them, okay, gentlemen, how is it? Because ne- they're neither one of them are young, right? I mean, Duchesne's seventy plus, Nick's sixty plus or around sixty. No, I think he's in his sixties. Um, how is it that over the course of these many years, have you been able to? stay effective in leading young men because the culture of the average college-age kid from when I was in college back in the dark ages of the 80s to now has changed so much. Yet these men over the years have figured out how to not only stay relevant, but to be the standard bearer for motivation, instruction, competency, uh, excellence. They keep figuring out a way to stay ahead of everybody else. Uh, Now, you know, back in the early 70s, when I was in elementary school, that person would have been John Wooden. But nowadays, if I could sit down with Krzyzewski and Sabin and say, okay, how is it that you continue to transform yourself to stay relevant to these college kids? Because when you started out doing this, you were twenty years older than who you were coaching. Now you're forty right. years old, fifty years older than the people you're coaching. And that, those are the two guys from sports that I would just like to sit down with and say, okay, what are your what's the, what's the secret to staying uh, relevant? and staying on top of your game for this many years, because I would like to be able to apply that type of excellence to my own leadership. One of the inherent weaknesses of pastoral ministry, because it's not a business that you cannot always see the effect, that you had right you know espn when there's a basketball game on or a football game on they will they'll they'll post a thing that says you know the mike sheshevsky coaching tree and they'll have all these branches of all these guys who've gone on to to coach you know johnny dawkins and quinn snyder and all of those guys and how successful they are because sheshevsky not only has over 700 games himself. Think about how many games his associates and assistants have gone on to win at other universities. He's literally been the the, the, the deciding factor, the or not the deciding factor, but he's been the major factor in probably, you know, five or 6,000 basketball games. Nick Saban, same way. Every year he loses two or three people off of his staff. Yet every year he puts a winning football team—not just a winning football team, but a team that is in in contention for the national championship every year. Yet he has a coaching carousel. How is it that he, his age—I'm fifty. Like I said, I'm fifty-something years old, and I sometimes I can't even remember why I walked into the other room. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I, the, the meme that goes around on the internet. I don't want to brag, but I can forget what I'm doing while I'm doing it. You know, That's true. <laughs> These guys, and I'm sure you know because I don't know them. They, I'm sure they have their moments, but publicly, they're as sharp now as they were when they started out. Yeah, I just find that fascinating. Well, that, to be a motivator, a molder of men.
0: Well, that is a very, very good answer. And with that, I think that I'm going to, uh, I think we're going to, we're going to close this, uh, this discussion for now. I Sounds good. I will hope that uh, I look forward to another opportunity where... Uh, well, next time you want
1: to have me come up with like six or eight questions you'd like me to just answer.
0: Well, I may just do that. I, 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 I I'll, I'll say this uh, in closing. You know, that's a great pastoral thing. And in closing, and you, you know, you're always like, oh, I guess he's about ready to wrap this up. And then twenty minutes later, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I try to make this more of a conversation than an interview because like, like I told you, I'm not a journalist and number two, uh, and I, I, I I pride myself in that because I'm not looking to, uh, hit. I'm not, I'm not a hit guy. I'm not, I'm not not bringing somebody in here because I want to try and corner them to expect them to answer questions about things that, that, you know, and, and we've, you, you and I have talked about this in the past, you know, we don't agree on everything. I don't really know too much where we, we don't? don't, but yeah. But I, sure? <laughs> I remember one time, I, uh, I'll say this, I remember one time we were having breakfast and we were talking about uh, some a particular situation that was going on with you. And um, uh, I said, well, you know, Pastor, you know, I don't always agree with you. And you're like and I don't care. <laughs> and I was like, and see, that's why I like you because, you know,
1: I think you remember that,
0: you know, you know that,
1: yeah. would, that, would a, that would have been a Zorba's breakfast.
0: That was, it was a Zorba's breakfast. Um, and, uh, but I, re- I remember that because I was like, look, it, 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 we were having a conversation. We were, we were, you know, you were helping me more than I was helping you, but, <laughs> We were just, now you, don't know that. you know, well, <laughs> there were some situations where definitely <laughs> uh, I was on the receiving end of some good, some, some good instruction. But, um, having said that, uh, uh, I will, I will consider having a couple of things that we can, uh, we can focus on a little bit more. And since I know you, I, I, I know what buttons to push. <laughs> Uh, there you go. <laughs> but anyway um i'd like to i'd like to thank uh pastor mark medley for joining me for these two hours uh of his of his time and giving me a a real good giving us a real good discussion and pastor i appreciate it. i want you to stay on after i after i wrap up this recording here uh i want you to sound for just a minute longer because i want to say something to you sure. um but at any rate um I want to thank Pastor Mark Medley for joining us on uh, joining me on Thoughts from a Lawnmower with Will Rouser. And uh, if you had a, I'm going to give Pastor one final word. If there was one thing you had to say, give it to me in about 15 seconds. If there's one thing you'd like to say before we close out,
1: oh, no, I'm not really sure. I could wag. And say, be true to God, be true to yourself, be true to the Word.
0: There yeah. you go. There you go. That's all we think. That, I think that would probably sum it up pretty good. Yep, that that would sum it up pretty good. And so, with that, folks, I want to bid uh, you uh, a good evening. Uh, it's it's dark here now, and it should be dark there now. Uh, <laughs> Let's go, here, you know. Uh, and anyway, um, thank you, Pastor Mark, and. Uh, That'll be it for this episode. Thank you much.
1: Goodbye.